Welcome in to Think Deeper, presented by Focus Press. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Wilkie, joined as always by my brother Jack Wilkie and Will Harab. And we have a, I don't even know what we're going to say this time, just a great episode coming up. Um, a serious episode, it's its a serious one, but at the same time something that um, we actually kind of called an audible from some of the things that we, we had one planned, we'd actually recorded one, and we said, no, we think this is something that's been on our hearts, been on our minds quite a bit recently, and so we wanted to take some time and record that. But before we get to that, we obviously want to remind everybody of uh, Focus Plus. Make sure to go to focuspress.org slash plus, P-L-U-S, to sign up. If you have not, uh, we just recorded our first uh, deep end, I think is what we're calling it, which is just the extra round. Uh, on, And you get the video podcast, and then when you get a video podcast, a little extra, about 15 to 20 minutes. And that first one is already live extra, where it's kind of on, a, on the Patreon app. Yeah. That's right. It's already live. So if you sign up, you get the, the video of the last podcast on gentle parenting. You'll also get the deep end with a couple comments. And you'll have exclusive access to be able to comment. We addressed the two people that had commented. There's a few comments in there, and so we addressed um, their comments. And we just think, uh, it's fun, man. It's fun. We want everybody to, if every one of our listeners could be on there, that'd be a ton of fun. Because it's just a hangout. That's what we're looking to do, is just to address your guys' ideas and, and comments and such. But make sure to sign up for that. Fellas, anything else that we want to say before we just jump right in? All right, we're going to jump into the episode, and I'm going to turn it over to Jack, because he's the one that wrote the outline is kind of driving the bus on this one. Um, we've all been thinking about it, but he's definitely been given some consideration to this. So, Jack, go ahead and get us into it. Well, it's just something that's sad that I've, I've been observing for a number of years now. And, and maybe it, I don't know. I don't know if there's a correlation with uh, COVID and the lockdowns. Um, I think there is. There's articles saying there is, there isn't. Stats can tell you anything. But of marriages disintegrating. Uh, I've seen just a number of them. You know, there's always been the talk about the divorce rate and the 50% thing, and that's not really accurate, but then there's the cohabitation thing. But among members of the church, faithful Christians that I've known, ministers that I've known, divorces that have happened, and and you just start seeing those, and uh, we were kind of swapping stories and names that we know last night, and like the list just kept growing and growing. Will had some, I had some, Joe had some, some that we all knew together or overlapped or whatever, and... It's disturbing. I mean, it's one of those, uh, there's always that guy that's going to go, well, divorce always happens. It's sad, but it just always happens. Yeah, but I think there's things in the climate right now driving things in a worse direction, and we're going to talk about some of those, uh, but the stories run the gamut. Um, You've got a a number of things. I I don't know. I was just going to say, it's not just divorce. Like, oh man, they just, they don't, it didn't work out. There's, there's some horror stories. Infidelity. Jack, you were probably about to get into all that, but you know, it's not just a matter of man, couples are just, you know, they're starting to not get along. Irreconcilable differences type of stuff. No, it's, it's a lot, lot scarier stuff. Multiple adultery stories, uh, plenty. I mean, obviously we have Joe here. Everyone knows what Joe does. If you've listened to for any time. He deals with people dealing with pornography addiction. There's a lot of that out there. And a lot of that putting strain on marriages, ending marriages sometimes. uh, Not a good thing there. Uh, A lot of desertion. A lot of women just saying, "Eh, it's not working for me anymore. I'm out of here. We're going to talk about that. And I think that's a lot bigger problem uh, that that just doesn't go addressed. And so we're going to get to that. Uh, And then sadly, sex crimes. I mean, minister after minister after minister. It's one of those where every time you see a headline, you're like, Please don't let that be within the Church of Christ, and a lot of times it is. Oh yeah, of you know the the child porn guys, the youth minister sleeping with a youth group girl guys, the you know just things like that, the the assault guy. I mean, like 
and I'm not trying to run down the church. It's it's just these are realities of things that are happening, and and you just look at all of them added together, and it's just not a good situation. And it raises the question. I don't I don't want to liken it necessarily to this. These are two awful things. But remember when y'all obviously remember when Columbine first happened? It was kind of the the big major first school shooting. Uh, then as time went on, they just became more prevalent. And you know, it's not that we weren't still shocked by them as a nation, but just kind of kept popping up a whole lot more. And that's the way I feel with a lot of these stories is, man, it's every couple of weeks, every couple of months. Like it's just, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Whereas a decade ago, you didn't hear about this stuff, or at least if you did, it wasn't in the church of Christ. It wasn't, you know, made, uh, we weren't very well aware of it. And so I do feel, and I don't know if this is a question that we want to get into uh, unless you guys had anything else before we kind of get into what are the causes, but it, it does make me ask, man, what are the causes of this? Why is this something that has seemingly skyrocketed in the last few years as far as just you hear more stories about it? They're, they're far more prevalent. And so, Joe, I'll, I'll turn it over to you because we do have a list here, but I, I didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to add about for this question of why is this becoming so much more common these days? Well, I did want to address just what you said and what Jack said as well, just to hit this again of like, it's the the recent stuff that that's why we're talking about this. Yeah, these things to a certain extent have always happened, but within this last two months, I think we've shared some things with one another. You know, you'll you'll see a text of like, man, brother so and so is is this guy is has worked at a church that either your dad's spoken at or that we know people and like horrible things that are coming. It's up hitting close to home. All these point. different yeah. stories. It's, it's just starting to hit close to home. And anytime you're starting to realize, it's like, it's one thing you go, oh yeah, some guy in Oregon, boy, that's, you know, that's that's a tough situation. It's a different thing when it's like right next door, a guy down the road, a guy in Nashville recently, you know, was accused of a sex crime in, in the church. We're talking 40 minutes from my house. When it starts to hit close to home is when it becomes real. And that's, it's the fact that it's happening a lot more and that we have friends that are getting divorces and, and people that we've grown up with that are getting divorces and, and pornography's coming out and wow, he struggled with it for 20 years and it's just not coming out. I mean, these things are starting to like become personal and that's why we're passionate about it. That's why we felt the need to cover it is like, this isn't stopping. It's getting worse. And I think there's, there's a prevalence among ministers. Jack, you said that. I think there's a prevalence among specifically, you see this a lot with um, youth group, but also among ministers. But I also think you said something interesting about it worsening during COVID. And I mean, my own theory obviously is you lock up people for, you know, a year basically where they're alone with one another. They don't have their usual outlets, their usual friends. Like it, it also brings the, people together. The world shattering stress that everybody Depression. was under because of that. You know, people yeah. lost jobs and lost their businesses and lack of social connection, lack of schedule, routine, all these things that contribute to stronger, happier homes where we've got something to do, it kind of, some of those fights turned inward, you know, it give you more time to nitpick each other and things like I feel like, like it's that. a make or break thing. I feel like it either made you and you got a lot stronger or it broke you. And I think we're starting to see the fallout of those who are breaking, who didn't handle it well. The porn addictions got a lot worse. You can look up stats on that. I mean, it's just skyrocketed. Pornhub was giving away free accounts during the pandemic, um, you know, and skyrocketing in the nations. They were doing that. Like the, the statistics are just... Well, and, and horrific on all let's of those. Just say before we get into the causes, why another reason why we're so passionate about this, a reason that we have brought up before on multiple episodes, young people are looking at marriage with a very skeptical eye these days, and it's part partially we can kind of blame it on them and say, well, maybe that's just because they kind of want to live their single lifestyle and just kind of enjoy themselves and go have fun. 
I think a lot of blame can be put on what we're modeling for them. And by we, I mean collectively, you know, previous generations, what we're modeling for them that, hey, yeah, after 20 years, you do kind of get bored with each other and, you know, you're kind of ready for a for a shakeup in your life. And so young people are seeing all these marriages that aren't working out, whether it be due to infidelity or whether it be due to desertion or, or fill in the blank. And they're looking at that going, why would I sign up for that? That's not really something that I'm interested in. And again, we can't place all of the blame and all the culpability on previous generations. But man, I think they share a lot of culpability in this as far as one of the reasons why young people are not pursuing marriage. They're looking at it again very skeptically. That's a problem. And that's something that I personally, man, I want my kids to look at marriage as something to be, again, to be pursued, to be striven after, something that's worthy of, of, of glory and honor. Right now, we don't see that very much, and it saddens me that it's in the church that we're not seeing that. Our marriages are in crisis, and that's what I—we want to get into the causes as to why, Jack, unless you got something else I wanted to yeah, transition us into the causes of this marriage in crisis idea. First, I think there's a twofold destruction through the internet, and I'll kick off the first one just because obviously it's what I'm passionate about, what I know— and that's porn addiction. Uh, as we're thinking about issues concerning the internet, porn addiction is is— a massive problem from 18 to 30. I think the statistics are males age 18 to 35. I think it's 80%, maybe 78% uh, are regularly looking at porn. That's a lot of the young marriages, right? That's the ones a lot of the time they're falling apart. But I've worked with guys into their 70s that are addicted to porn. Like we think this is a young man's game. This is all the way up. And I think it's, it is creating divisions because you either can come out with it. And that creates obviously a lot of triggers for the wife and a lot of betrayal and everything else, or even worse, you can keep it internally and it will come out eventually. She'll catch you. Um, or you have a secret sin. And when you have a secret sin, you're not calling your wife to much better. You're not going to step up in church because you know internally you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so it creates this crisis in men where you either come clean and your life falls apart or you keep it hidden and internally your life falls apart. And so I think that's really causing the destruction of a lot of marriages where the guy isn't stepping up doing what he's supposed to because he knows internally he's not doing what he's supposed to. Yeah. I, if I brought up the Josh McDowell thing before, that was so interesting to me is Brad and I, Dr. Brad Harib and I interviewed Josh McDowell for Think Magazine a few years ago because, I mean, huge name, evidence that demands a verdict, the tolerance stuff. I mean, he was one of the biggest Christian quote unquote writers in the world and what we interviewed him for was pornography. He was turning his attention to that, saying this is the biggest need in the church. And this was seven, eight years ago at this point of saying that we've got to do something about this. I think Joe went to the conference his where he rolled out there. I mean, yeah. like Big humongous deal. amounts of research they did and I mean, all kinds of experts he had teamed up with. That one went under the radar. That one, that was where he like started falling off the, the popularity, uh, you know, that he had once had. Because nobody wanted to talk about that. Because the thing he was saying was, this is infecting tons of church leaders. And he was saying that there is a direct pipeline from that to false doctrine coming into the church. Because people are going to be way softer on sexual sin. And when you see this stuff and this brokenness culture stuff we've talked about and being, you know, LGBT thing, uh, LGBT friends. Well, we just, you know, we don't want to come down too hard on them. And we, we don't want them to feel judged and, and things like that. He said the door to that is ministers and elders that deal with porn is, well, I'm not going to come down hard on it because what, you know, what happens if I get busted? What if, you know, I've got this internal thing? And so you've got this widespread issue in the church, and then you put that into a home, and it's the exact same thing you're talking about. A guy can't lead his family. A guy doesn't have his wife's trust. Uh, you know, there is all of the, the things that come out of that. 
it, it, it is such an insidious thing. And as you said, well over half. I mean, and, and you also deal with the thing where guys think, I'll get married, that'll take care of my problem. It doesn't. And so they bring that into the marriage. The wife finds out about it, you know, early in the marriage. And now you start off on that foot. Well, there's a couple different things I'll say. First off, Josh McDowell partnered with Barna and Covenant Eyes to do a the biggest study in the church at that time. And I'm riffing because I don't have it in front of me. I want to say 52% of church leaders, like pastors, they call them obviously in Christendom. I think it's like 52% struggle with porn regularly. So one in two pulpits, somebody struggling with porn. But the second thing, as far as it goes with the wife, you know, there's the discovery ideas. I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, but, you know, this does lead toward PTSD. Discovery one, they're really saddened and hurt. Discovery two, they're angry. Discovery three, it's PTSD. When's the next shoe going to drop? And we wonder why our marriages are falling apart is because they're sometimes they're on discovery seven and the guy will not get help. And when it's a minister, you have wives that are so afraid of going to the elders because it'll get the guy fired. That's their livelihood. So the husband isn't changing. He isn't, but she has no recourse. If she goes to the elders, she can't call it out. If she goes there and they lose their job, where are they going to go? That creates a rift in their marriage, obviously. And then he's got to quickly go find another job without a recommendation from that church, obviously. And so it puts them in a catch-22 and women can't respect the guy. The guy, a lot of times, isn't giving up his life of porn. He's not doing what it is because of shame, everything else. Like, this is a huge, huge problem. Um... Will, I was just going to say yeah, that, that brings to you, us Will. into a rather tough question and one that has been posed many times before, um, been posed on social media. But this is a question that people have. Everybody's familiar with kind of the standard Church of Christ teaching on divorce and remarriage that Jesus gives an exception clause um, as far as sexual immorality. Uh, you know, you can't basically you can't get divorced for any reason other than sexual immorality, fornication, Um there's some other thoughts that circulate on that as far as, you know, permanence view and things like that that we'll say for another day. But with that being the standard teaching that the Church uh, of Christ uh, teaches, again, that, listen, divorce is only permissible in the case of sexual morality, uh, fornication, adultery, whatever word you want to use. People have posed the question, so does that mean that if, my hu- if your husband is using pornography, is actively viewing pornography with no intention of stopping, is that grounds for a woman to seek a divorce? Um, and again, the word porneia is used. And so a lot of people will jump to say, well, that is, you know, he, he is cheating on me, whether it be physically or whether it be mentally, whether it be with a screen, whatever it is, there's a lot of people teaching. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's grounds for, for divorce based on Jesus's teaching in Matthew 19, you know, in other places. And so wanted to open that up as far as a discussion here. I don't know how much time we want to spend on it because it is a question that people have, and I don't think we can ignore it in this setting. So what do you guys have to say to, to answer that question? Is a husband's use of pornography grounds for a wife to seek a quote-unquote scriptural divorce? Maybe we'll start with Jack, because I'm sure Joe's got some thoughts there. Yeah, there's kind of a chain they follow there of, it says, you know, for sexual immorality, and then it, you go back to the Matthew 5, thing. where he says, yeah. if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, then you, you've committed adultery with her in your heart, therefore it's adultery of the heart, he's committed adultery, she's off the hook, she can get divorced, and then go get remarried. If you're going to apply that, then you've got to say anybody who ever hates his brother also should be going to jail for murder. Because he makes the exact same analogy right after the lust of the the adultery of the heart thing. He says you committed murder of the heart. Can you try that person for murder? No. It's saying you wanted to do it. You didn't do it. And so he's saying your desires need to be rightly aligned. But that doesn't mean you It's also a slippery slope. It's not good. I was going to say when you, you know, when you want to 
you know, every woman would have grounds for divorce, I guess is, is what I'm saying there. If, if the, if lust is the only thing that qualifies for divorce, man, that's something that guys, you know, even guys that aren't looking at porn can struggle with. So that's a very slippery slope, I would say. Sorry to cut you off. For sure. For sure. And it's just, that is not rushing to the defense of guys looking at right. porn. Like, obviously we are fully on board of get your act together. Stop that. That is not okay. But we also don't have to go to the other side and say, all right, woman, you know, he went and looked at that, so you're free to go. No, we've got to have more respect for marriage than that, number one. But number two, we have to take Jesus' words for what they meant, which is you need to get your heart desires in check and not just your external actions. But the external action is the thing that is emphasized on, you know, the, the exception clause, so to speak. Joe? If we are going to take Matthew 5, then yeah. It would be, I saw some on YouTube. Man, I, I glanced at it two seconds longer than I probably should have. Oh, well, let's grounds for divorce. I mean, nobody would say that, but if we are going to take it to the fullest ex- extent, well, you lusted in your heart. Therefore, how many times do you have to lust in your heart for it to be adultery? I mean, it really falls apart when you start to do it. So is it grounds for divorce? No. The term used in Matthew 19 is porneia. MDR is going to be another episode, marriage, divorce, remarriage. Uh, maybe. We'll see. It's, it's a hot button item. I don't know if we want to delve into that fully, but... Um, the, the term is porneia, and so you might see and go, see, it's porneia. Actually, it's a physical act, like a fornication, of sexual immorality. It's, it's a physical thing being done. It's not talking about masturbation. It's not talking about, um, you know, those, like the pornography world. It's talking about physical Well, because the one flesh union is such a big deal in, in, in marriage in the Bible. Correct. Here's the, here's the bigger thing, and here's what I see. You see a lot of women whose husbands won't stop, and they feel that's the only way to gain control, in my opinion. That's the only way to gain control. Most women aren't jumping to, hey, can I divorce him due to his porn habits after discovery number one. Uh, This has happened a bunch. And so to the men, if your wife has caught you with porn, if, if you're not like killing this out of your life, if you're not doing anything and everything, and I have guys that, wow, boy, that's a lot of money for therapy, like... And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. If you have to get a second mortgage to pay for it, then that's what it is. Like, what are you willing to do? Are you going to, boy, do I have to get rid of my phone? Not necessarily, but are you willing to do it? And so what this is, is a lot of women asking the question after they have tried and tried and tried, they've prayed about it, they've cried about it, they've asked every woman friend of theirs, they've asked other guy friends of theirs, is this normal? What can be done? And the guy refuses to do it. If you're that husband, shame on you. Shame on you. Go get yourself some help. Do not keep your wife waiting and waiting and waiting for you to get your act together. I'm calling you out right now. Get your act together. You have to kill this out of your life. I don't care how much shame you have. I Look, I've been there myself. I work with this every single day. Get this out of your life at all costs because it's destroying your marriage. It's destroying your life. It's destroying your family. And and what are you going to do? Because your pride? Because your arrogance? You're going to keep it? Man, I have a short leash on that. I'm going to be honest. We need to move off this because we don't want it to be an all-porn episode, but it's such a big thing that is contributing to all this. We want to tackle it up front. I'm going to add one other thing. Advice to addicted ministers, preachers, if this is an addiction you're dealing with, quit the addiction and your job. Start making preparations financially to support your, your family outside of the pulpit. You don't need to be in a pulpit. You just don't. Especially youth ministers, I'm telling you right now, there's a higher prevalence among youth ministers. Those are the guys that end up sleeping because they have constant access to teenage girls. Stop get out okay uh again start making financial preparations to get yourself out of the pulpit because even if you quit today you are not in a place spiritually to lead people i've been writing a lot on my uh, substack blog about the need for elite 
strong. We had that eldership episode of, of like, we need the best of the best leading. And a guy who is sneaking into the back room of his house, no, you need to get out of the ministry. Um, okay, let's go to the other side. That is, you know, women struggle with pornography in increasing numbers, but it's very much a male game. Um, the other side of this, where the internet is breaking down marriages, women stumble across lots of bad, bad information. And you have that picture in Genesis 3 of the serpent talking to Eve and, and the serpent gets her ear and he's putting ideas in her head and she goes, oh, that, that sounds good. I'll go with that. The serpent is using the internet. He's using Instagram. He's using TikTok. He's using Facebook groups. Foolish counsel like you would not believe. The gentle parenting parenting thing we talked about last week gets into women's ears of, oh, this sounds good. I'll roll with it. And, and so, uh, I mean, we had examples come up as we were outlining this and thinking about it of just terrible things our wives have shared with us from these women's groups. Um, you know, things things like the, well, you can divorce your husband because he looked at porn. There are church women's groups telling women that on the daily. And like, there's no council. There's no elders in there. There's no preachers. There's nobody teaching the, the scriptures in there. It's, let's pool our ignorance in what sounds good and what's emotionally right and, and support each other no matter what because you're also only getting one half of the story. The wife is coming and saying, oh, my husband's terrible. He's doing this, that, and the other thing. She's not telling where she is, you know, letting down in the marriage, her her contrib- contribution to the problem. And so it is a, just this, this everyone gathering around, patting her on the back. Oh, you're so put upon. You just need to get out of there. They're, you know, and they, the therapy words come out. Oh, that's just toxic abuse controlling, da, 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 which we're going to talk about a little more in a bit. It's so dangerous. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's because... This isn't going to go over super well. Men are to lead. Women are to nurture. When you get in there and somebody's asking for leadership, they're asking for advice, women want to come in and nurture. That's why I'm not a giant fan of women therapists. That sounds really mean, but I think the the natural tendency comes forward to nurture and not to fix. And yeah, men can be fixed at foxes. Look, you got you to gotta love them first. Women need that too. They need validation. They need acceptance, all that. That's great. But they're also looking for advice, and I think the advice can go real south real fast on some of these. Um, and, and they don't know what's good advice and what's not, unfortunately, a lot of the time when they're going to these forums. Some of it's very innocent, and there's other things that are just not. And to know the difference can, can be difficult from time to time. I would say that kind of drives us into the next larger point that we have. Uh, when you talk about the women's group. Hang on, yeah, I want to make one ahead. other thing on the wisdom you get there. Titus 2 says older women teach the younger women to love their husbands and children. This teaches them the opposite. Teaches them, oh, well, just love yourself. You know, it's just constant affirmation of you, you, you. And it's not saying, you know what, you need to love your husband. Even if he's not perfect. Man, uh, yeah, he's bringing a lot of problems to the table. How are you loving him? What is God calling you to do in this? That's just not there. That is not the nature of these things. And so I didn't want to cut off our, our move into that next thing, but it's literally the opposite of scriptural counsel on this. And I know Facebook wasn't around during the Apostle Paul's time. At the same time, older teaching the younger is a personal relationship between them. It's not a group Going chat. Going and getting a bunch of women on Facebook. Exactly. Going to get a bunch of women on Facebook to back me up. Well, 20 women said it's okay if I divorce you. What good does that do? Go to an older person in your church that you respect and have them actually counsel you there. And to the older women, I'd say actually counsel them like Jack's talking about. Lead them back toward their husband and toward taking care of their family to the best of their Well, body. there's just Sorry, something well, that doesn't feel right about, you know, again, 20, 25 women all banding, banding together, huddling together, talking about how awful their husbands are. And again, it, we're not excusing the husbands who are addicted. We, we just spent 
15 minutes, you know, talking to, to that side of things. But again, it would kind of put the, put the shoe on the other foot. If we had a bunch of men's Facebook groups where it was like, you know, all the, the reasons why our wives are terrible. And it's just, it's just not, it's not a good practice, I wouldn't say. But I, so that drives us again, kind of into the next phase uh, of the outline here, which is we live in an anti-men culture, an anti-masculine, anti-masculinity, anti-men culture. And this is something that we have talked about a, a great deal on this podcast before, but Jack was sharing with us the statistics on divorce filings before we got on. And, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for Joe, but both of us were, were kind of taken aback. 70% yeah. of those who file for divorce are women. 70% out of every 10 divorces, seven of them are being initiated by women. Think about what that means. And then you think about, you know, why we would put this under the heading of the anti-men culture. It's because women are kind of universally viewed as the victims. Women are kind of universally viewed as those who have been put upon, those who kind of have, they kind of have justification. They have a reason to want to seek out of the relationship because men are downtrodden. Men are, are, are shouted down and again, metaphorically spat upon in the culture that we live in. Um, so I don't know what you guys want to speak to first with this because it is troubling that we are growing up in a society where it is it, you know, strong little girls, those are, those are things that are idolized and, and strong men, not so much. And again, I think it's reflected in this statistic of 70%, seven in 10 of divorce filings are initiated by women. It's because women are kind of being told by culture, you really can't do any wrong. You can do no wrong here. That's a problem. Well, there's the old movie trope, right? Of the, the guy hits 40 years old and midlife crisis, wants the younger girlfriend, goes get the Corvette, whatever, like all the, the things that a guy goes through and leaves his wife and family. I don't, I can't think of anybody I know that's ever done that. The other thing where a woman gets there and she just disgruntled, I could have had a career, I, I gave things up for this family, I sacrificed and there's just so much more out there, that happens. I like I know people, my wife knows people, like that, that is a real thing and that's this 70% statistic is not only... Does she look around, especially, you know, in this pro-singleness culture that we've talked about a lot on here, it makes women fear what they're missing out. Oh, I didn't get to travel. I didn't get to have those experiences. I didn't get to go out to, you know, drink wine with the with the girls on a Friday night. And, you know, here I am with a husband I don't like that much. And maybe he might have a porn addiction or my kids are driving me crazy. And you know what? If I get out of here... The state will make me split custody with my husband, so I only have my kids half the time. The rest of the time, I get to do what I want to do. They will make him pay me child support. I will have all the cards, and I can and act. lots yeah, of it. Child support, lots of it. I'll get to act however I want, and anytime he does steps out of line at all, I can threaten him and maybe have the kids taken away, lose all custody or whatever else, because these court decisions are stacked, I mean, so heavily against them. And this has led to, Will talked about earlier, the idea about you know young people looking and saying marriage isn't worth it there is a strong online movement among young men you know they there's the political red pill blue pill thing but there's the red pill thing about relationships which is you can't win with women and there are guys just say that's what you have to realize is you can't win the courts are going to be stacked against you your finances are going to be wrecked all she's got to do is decide one day she doesn't like you anymore and your life is ruined and so they say why do it and so there's literally a group men going their own way who dedicate their lives to say do not get into a relationship do not pursue marriage don't even think about it because it is a ticking time bomb for if she decides yeah this is not worth the effort and that's all literally all it comes to is if if she just decides it's not worth the effort 
everything's going to line up for her to get out of there. She's got a golden parachute. The state is offering her a golden parachute. Her friends are offering her a golden parachute. Her Facebook groups are offering one where she will be applauded and pitied and supported. And you're going to be on your own. Like, it is, it's so so one-sided right now it's a very bad it shouldn't go to the other side i'm not advocating that but in a courage that uh, in, a, in a culture that almost encourages divorce that just puts it out there it's always whispering in their ear you know another argument you just you, you've always got that option you've always got this in your back pocket if you want it and look how many of them are taking of it or taking that option well you talk about swinging the pendulum to the other side about the men you know we obviously that's wrong that's what gets pushed the most. Oh, all these toxic men, all these bad... Yes, that happens. I'm not taking away from that. But if anybody wants the stories, man, I could tell you dozens of stories. I started at Griffith Centers for Children, um, doing doing hundreds of hours for my practicum and clinicals and everything else. And I worked with a lot of families. I worked in the courts, been subpoenaed. Um, it's not... I'm telling you, the guy, every single time it comes down the line, it does not go his way. And I worked with some guys that were saints absolute saints and that's not just me saying it because i'm you know i was on their side no i worked with both sides of it and i got to see both sides and i came in as the unbiased party and i said whoa like they he clearly is trying to get his act together he clearly is doing this 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 she's not even trying she would come away with either more custody more alimony whatever it may be like every time this so you you think that maybe we have an axe to grind or something we don't we're just calling out what you see in the culture and i think Again, when you make it that prevalent, you make it that easy, and women aren't... The culture basically says if your husband tries to lead, then yeah, he's being toxic. If he tells you no to something, then he's just trying to deprive you. I don't think that's healthy. You jump on a women's group, going back to the last one, you jump, jump on a women's group, jump on these online forums, and what are you going to get? More of Affirmation. Oh, you need to yeah. leave him, or, or yeah, affirmation of it. And so what do you get? Ultimately, we're kind of driving toward this pro-singleness rhetoric and we had our singleness episode and and you know we've had back and forth on first corinthians 7 and and whatnot that blew up on facebook but i think the pro singleness rhetoric that you see all over social media causes women to fear on what they're potentially missing out and i think to a certain extent men but i again 70 percent of divorces i don't think that's near as much on the men than the women wanting out knowing that they you know most things are going to work out and people are going to listen to this and go wow that's horrible uh, I don't think women are only doing it when they absolutely feel they have to. And maybe for some, that's true. But I would then challenge, do you have to? Do you have to? There's leaving and there's separating for a time. Try to help the guy get his act together, whatever it is. I mean, there's there's ways to go about that. But when we're talking about initiating divorce, that's let no man or woman separate what God has joined together that's pretty serious. Well, and that I pretty serious there's that inception thing of the idea being planted in your head every day. Of you've got the out, you've got the out. You know, you're like keep an eye on him because what he's doing is all of these things that all your girlfriends are going to say. Oh, he's so terrible! Like the pooling of of bad advice that we just talked about, and it really is. That's the new trope. It's not the guy having the midlife crisis. It's the woman having it. Going, I missed out on all this stuff. I've got to go get it back. And the other thing, the other side of that is how many guys, and you've dealt with these, Joe, of the guy saying, please, let's save our marriage. Let's do whatever it takes. Let's just, let's stay together for, you know, we, we have a family here. I don't want to lose you. Nope. Nope. She's just determined. She's on the way out the door. And so, and this is Christians. This is ministers' wives. This is, I mean, this is not just out in the world. And it's a really sad thing. And one of the other things you're seeing is with more emphasis on masculinity and male leadership and some of the things we talk about 
there are guys I know who want to do that and practice that, but their wife has been so poisoned by that if he tries to step up, I mean, you can look at a high-profile one, and this might not be the best example because, boy, he went off the deep end in a hurry. Uh, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, right? He found Christianity there for a while in some form or whatever, and you saw, I mean, like, it kind of came out. He was telling his wife, please stop dressing like that. Please, like, uh, this is this is not okay. I don't want you to be sexualizing yourself. You're my wife, you know, like, and, and that part of what he did, getting away from everything else around Kanye right now, but that is a very good thing for a wife to do, is to ask his wife, do you know how much flack he caught for that? Of how, oh, toxic, abusive, controlling, abusive, controlling, and, and this kind of stuff happens within the church too, of a, a husband saying, as we talked about with gentle parenting, we're going to discipline this way. Uh, you know, why, honey, I don't want you to dress like that. Or we're just not going to let the kids do this, that, or the other thing. Or I wish you would kind of cut off that one friend who I, I don't think is a good influence for you to be around. Oh, he's controlling. He's abusive. He's All those terms come out, and now she's got the upper hand and the support of everybody around her. Like, it's, it's dangerous. Well, no, I was just going to say, it's not just what they, um, you know, that they just dislike it or that they, you know, want out of their marriages to go chase their dreams. I've worked with a lot of couples, the overwhelming majority, and I work with a lot of infidelity. The overwhelming majority of the infidelity has been women. Legitimately, people don't believe it. They think, oh, of course, it's the sex addict guys that allow their porn addiction to get away. Most of the guys in porn addiction that I've run across, yeah, I've worked with plenty that haven't, but a lot of the guys, like, that doesn't cross into their mind. They have what they want on porn. It's bad enough um, it's the women that have been cheating, but this goes into, and, and Will, I'll pass it to you in a second, we also have a serious crisis of women taking antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds, like the overwhelming majority, like unbelievable statistics, you're talking like 80, 90%, like crazy amounts are on these pills. I mean, I know it's high, I don't think it's that high, but... Oh, no, it's, look, look, look it up, like on a certain age demographic, it's ridiculously high, correct you me You said that. look I'm it sure up, he's, maybe he's doing it is right now. But yeah, he's looking it up. But that, that creates for unstable women is all I was going to say. It creates for you're okay today, you're not tomorrow, and the meds trying to get that right can create for some serious instability emotionally as well. Sorry, Will. I was just saying, none of this should be a surprise to, to any of us because you think about what the, again, culture, what society, just American Americanized culture, what it promotes and what it pushes is that life is all about you. Life is all about your own happiness, you know. Life is all about whatever you want to do and chase your dreams, pursue your own happiness, all that type of culture that is fed to young people. I mean, you hear, and not just young people, obviously older people as well, but the, the find yourself, the express yourself, it's all about you, 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 yourself, yourself, yourself. Is it any surprise that we've got men, but, and, you know, and women alike that are deciding, yeah, I, I kind of want to uh, prioritize myself, not my family, not sacrificing what I want for what the family needs, but know what I want and, and what I want to do. And it's just one of those things that we've, we've got a selfishness epidemic. You know, we've got a, again, pursue your own happiness is something that, you know, that's even trickled into the church in a lot of ways. What do you, what's the phrase that you, that you hear when somebody is seeking a divorce that they know they don't have scriptural grounds for? Well, God wouldn't want me to be unhappy. God would not, God wouldn't God want me to be happy. And, you know, again, you hear members of the church saying those things. And I think it is the result of what the culture pushes, what culture pushes, not just to young people, but to older people as well through, through media, through, through shows, through everything that we digest from the culture is pushing this. It's all about you all the time, whatever you want to do, God wouldn't want you to be unhappy. That's, that's, these are mindsets. These are perspectives that we have to get out of our head and we have to eradicate them from the church. Uh, because again, we've got a marriage crisis and this is one of the reasons why. 
I'm going to clarify real fast on statistics because I looked them up myself. Way lower. I don't know where I saw it. I'm going to have to look it up because I know I saw something in, in a certain age range or a certain demographic, whatever it was, that was sky high. Right under, shade under 20% of all women are on these. And then it, again, it goes higher or lower depending on the age range. Um, I know I saw it somewhere. Again, I'm going to look it up, maybe add that into, into Focus Plus um, as to where I saw that. But yeah, just wanted to clarify real fast. Sure. So I wanted to read like these people reveal themselves through these memes that they share. And I saw one going around um, uh, or posted and it was focus on your healing and growth. The right people for you will grow closer and the wrong further away. Work on you for you in all ways, always. I'm sorry. When you made vows at the altar, you did not get to take that the, this mindset of work on you, just what's on you, and people are going to grow away from you when you work on you and you focus on you, and if focusing on you makes your you know pushes your husband away, well you just gotta no, you're gonna die alone. Number one, that's horrible. Number two, you are not an island. You have duties to other people. Now, yeah, that can go too far, and and you can be put upon, and uh, you, but. Where's your vows? Where's your commitment? Where is your your Ephesians five, your First Peter three, uh, four, um, three, First Peter three? Um, where is that biblical commitment to something bigger than yourself? A marriage is one flesh. You don't have a you anymore. There's an us. That's it. There's only an us. And when you sever that us in pursuit of you, that's not good. And it's it it, it leads to all of these things we're talking about. And man, name anybody who lived a happier life the minute they said, you know what, I'm going to focus on myself more. Doesn't happen. You can't. It Like, literally, that is the, the definition of leading yourself down the path to misery is self-focus on all things. And, and yet this is the stuff that's held out as wisdom. This is the stuff that's pushed to people is this is what you need to do. And anybody who tells you not to do that is hurting you, is, is toxic, is all these things once again. And I mean, I just, it, it's not good. And, and yet you see people go down this path over and over and over. So as we're looking at our marriage crisis outline here, we're talking about causes, right? What has caused this spike? And, and if you've seen this as well, you don't have to comment. Please don't comment names, anything like that. But let us know. I mean, if you're seeing this as well and you're agreeing with like, yeah, we have a serious marriage crisis in, in America, especially in the church, like we'd love to know your thoughts uh, on the matter. But as we're looking at the causes, again, the twofold destruction through the Internet of porn and the women's groups, um, second, anti-men culture, and third, selfishness. They can blend together. We just want to make sure that everybody can, can kind of see that. But selfishness, I think selfishness is so key to to why they're falling apart right now and I just I don't know I I'm going to throw one on the outline real fast before we get into what can be done. Now we're going to wrap up with what can actually what can we actually do about it? But I I got to blame the church. I got to blame the church in our lack of understanding why marriage even matters. Yeah, we have selfishness, we have all those things. People have no idea what marriage is even for. They think it's for well, I get to marry my best friend, my buddy. Cool. Okay, and then what? What do you do with it? What's it for? Well, it's kind of the next stage in our relationship. I've heard, you know, all the answers before in doing the couples counseling and, and premarital, most of which are terrible. Most people do not understand why they're getting married. I've spoken on this before, but I think that's a huge reason why divorce is rampant is because, and why we're seeing so many of these things is people don't realize the importance of staying together. The for better or for worse in the vows, as you talked about, Jack, that doesn't exist anymore. That's a joke to people. 
Well, it's for better. Yeah, if he's making me money, doing everything he's supposed to, yeah, I'll stay there. For worse, what does that mean? I, I don't know what that means. If we had a proper theology of the importance of marriage and why God places a premium on it and the fact that he actually says it's like Christ in the church, could you imagine Christ or the church doing either one of these things? The desertion, the the complete selfishness, the adultery, all of those things. We may shift from Christ, but we're the bride of Christ. We have a duty to fulfill Christ, right? I mean, that our job is to glorify him. And so we see this in marriage and nobody in the church gets this. We've allowed feminism to creep in to the point that what is, what is marriage? Honestly, what is marriage in this culture? The world doesn't understand. That's why they cheapen it through homosexuality and everything else. We in the church cheapen it because we don't understand what it is. And so it's a lot easier to walk away from something where when you don't understand the implications. Uh, better luck next time. Eh, wrong answer. I guess I'll try again. That's not how this works. It's, it's the Geico. That's not how any of this works. But somehow we we have convinced ourselves that marriage is, I don't know, flimsy, cheap. I, I can go just, I'll get somebody who treats me better the next time. And the selfishness kind of comes back around. The church has to do a better job. We have to start taking control of like, from a young age, kids need to know why marriage is important. I think it's a staircasing thing. You don't know why marriage is important. You don't know why males are important. You don't know why females are important. You don't know why they're different. You don't know what the self is and what the purpose of life is. You don't have any of those things. Then, yeah, it's going to, all the way down the line, it's going to cascade into all these effects. So when we talk about what can be done with it, I'm I'm the big elders guy right now because this is what I'm writing on. We did episodes on it and all that. You have permission from God to intervene in in marriages to to step in and train these people but also i mean and especially have the guts to confront the wife when she's wrong that's one of the biggest things the church is getting wrong and there are literally those that will teach and there there are books written on this that say if there's anything wrong with the marriage start with the husband he's the one in the wrong well when 70 percent of women are initiating divorce maybe not maybe let's go let's let's zero in on that and if she is doing that i just got to work on me thing you need to be able to call out the wife's selfishness now when their husband is being selfish when the husband is you know dealing with pornography hammer him on that you know like go deal with all of the problems now because of male headship the husband is responsible for all of you know the error in the marriage and all those things irresponsible but he's not necessarily the one doing all of those things and so you can you know when a guy can't get through to his wife when he's saying honey we're having a real problem here you know there uh, let me use an example of a case of a guy saying the kanye thing honey i really think this is hurting our marriage i really think i i don't want you doing that i don't want you exposing yourself to other men like that you know and there could be other things like that i think you know we we dealt with one on one one of our q a episodes of like a sports thing you know physical contact with other men honey please i i'm not comfortable with that please don't do that well i'm allowed to you can't tell me not to you you know you don't you're not gonna be controlling could be her response where an eldership needs to come in and say i'm sorry the bible says submit where are you on this and you're in sin if you continue to defy your husband like that or they go to the husband and say you're in sin if you continue to talk to your wife like that if you can continue to look at porn i mean like help people through this and and again you have permission from god himself as their shepherds their marriage is very much under the purview of your headship as elders step in there and and help them through these things this is why shepherding is so important i mean if you did not get a chance to go back and listen to the two episodes that we had on the church's leadership crisis and then i think the case for christian elitism is what we called part two of that you know we've got there are so many marriage 
problems in the church right now and what are, again, generalizing here, what is the response from a lot of elderships? Kind of the shrug on your shoulders, man, what are you going to do? You know, they're struggling right now. They just need some time, need some... No, as Jack is talking about, you have the authority to intervene and to, I want to get us into the next one because it kind of ties into this as far as what can be done about this. For those who are struggling in their marriage, you have to be careful who you're listening to, that you're not listening to the mommy blogs and, you know, the, all the women's groups and and for guys, the, whatever the alternative that to that is, you know, be careful where you're getting your advice from and your information from. Who should you be getting your advice and your counsel from? It should be your elders. It should be your shepherds. It shouldn't be Facebook. It shouldn't be social media. It shouldn't be, you know, fill in the blank. We should be able, whenever we have a marriage issue in our in our own marriage, in our congregations, we should have the confidence to go. We It should go two ways. We should have the confidence to go to the elders, to ask for counsel, to ask for advice, to ask for assistance and help. And the elders should be able to go to those who are struggling and say, What's going on? How can we fix it? We're here to be your shepherds. Right now, we don't have either one of those things going on in most congregations. Again, I don't want to keep clarifying that I'm generalizing because I know that I am, and there are elders who are very good at this. But for the most part, we've got a marriage crisis, and it's because this two-way street is not being accessed by either side. That is an empty street right now in most congregations. And so, again, the first two things that we have here, elder intervention and be careful who you're listening to, It goes both ways. You've got to be getting your advice and your counsel from your shepherds, from God's word, of course, but from those who God has set in leadership over you. I think we can all tell horror stories, and I'm not looking to tell horror stories, but I mean, I can think of an an eldership where woman leaves, you know, there's things needed to be done to kind of figure out what's going on there, but they were basically too scared to say anything to the woman. It's all the guy, well, you just need to do this, you need to do that. True, but we need elders who are willing to call out both sides and not just play the, you know, well, she's a woman, we can't call her out. No, you need to be able to call out both. If the guy is doing something wrong, call him out. And so that's, I would challenge elders, or if your congregation doesn't have elders, at least talk to the leaders of the congregation. But this gets us into number three on what can be done. And that's something that you and I, Will, are very passionate about. In our first episode for the Gym Podcast, we called it Strive for Greatness. And that's the idea of male excellence. We want men to be great. We want men to be excellent and and to excel in every single way. Why is that important here? Because if a man isn't excelling, how can he call his wife to excel? How can he call his family to excel? And if his marriage is in crisis and he knows he's not doing what he's supposed to do, again, where do you go from there? Like now we're all in the, in the muck and mire together because nobody is going to stand up and go, Hey, we need to do something different. Well, it's the idea of not trying. You've got so many guys and so many husbands that they're not going to try with their health and fitness. They're not going to try in leading their family spiritually. They're not really going to try in any of the tough stuff that dads are and, and fathers are biblically authorized to do. Again, all these things that are difficult. We got a lot of guys that just, I'm just not really going to try. You know, it, it is what it is. Again, shrug your shoulders. What can you do type of thing? I'm not really going to try to lead my kids. I'm not going to try. And nobody's ever going to come out and say that, but that's how we act. And so you're right, Joe. It's this idea of no, pursue excellence in every single one of these areas. Pursue excellence in your own health. Pursue excellence in your own spiritual walk and pursue excellence in leading your family in their spiritual walk. We've got, again, a lot of guys who are not pursuing that. They're, they're content. They got, they got to work their 40 hour week at a job. They got to, you know, maybe make sure you got to, they got to make sure their family's provided for financially. Other than that, they're not really going to try in any other areas. That is such a huge problem. We've, we've talked a lot about women in this episode. 
that's on the guys, the, the ones that are not pursuing the excellence, the ones that are not striving for greatness in these areas. One of the reasons why we started the Godly Young Men podcast, the gym podcast, is to encourage young men, look, we know you're probably not seeing the examples for this in many other places in your life. This is what godly young men look like, and it starts with the striving for greatness, that striving for excellence. And nothing destroys self-esteem faster than uncovered sin, than, than unrepented of and, and um, secret sin. I'm telling you, again, I've been there myself, it zaps you of everything. It zaps you of your energy, it zaps you of your confidence, it zaps you of your relationship with God, and ultimately, obviously, that's going to affect, I shouldn't say ultimately, but that's going to affect your relationship with your wife, ultimately, the relationship with God. Um we have to uncover the sin and we have to, again, take that killer instinct to say, I want this gone. And it doesn't always have to be porn. Um, you treating your wife, you being emotionally unavailable for your wife where you just don't, you don't care about her, you know, those type of things. Pursue excellence in the relationship. Be the best husband you can be. Read those books and, and read the family books, the parenting books, the marriage books. Don't make your wife put it on your shelf, right? Like, oh man, I just wish she'd read this. Why don't you just pursue being excellent and then when you lead your wife appropriately, see if she's willing to follow. And that gets us into the next one. Jack, I'm going to let you take off on this one. So as far as what can be done, elder intervention, care, be careful who you're listening to, male excellence. And then the next is the idea of male leadership. Well, it, it's just kind of the, the two sides of this. We'll put them together as the last two we have. Male leadership, female submission is the biblical model. And so you're, I mean, what you're talking about is so important that we start with the male excellence because you're going to lead. You're going to be looked at as a leader. The family is going to take on the tone of your leadership. So you better do it well. You better step up to that excellence. And, and you know, so many times we'll say leadership is not, you know, storming in the door and saying, all right, I'm in charge of this family. This is how it's going to be. It doesn't, you wouldn't respond to that. Nobody responds to that. That's why when Jesus says the the one who leads among you is going to be your servant, and we've talked before about how servant leadership gets twisted to basically bow down and let everybody walk all over you and give them what they want at all times. No, service is I'll take on the hard stuff. I'll be the one that does the difficult part in this family. I'll the one, be the one that owns my own sins and shortcomings and, and all of that. I'll I'll make life easier on her. You know, I will do take things out of her hand or, or give her guidance and direction, give the kids guidance and directions of what is expected of them within the family. You take that on. You set the tone for what it's going to be. And when they see you working towards excellence, when they see you, you know, leading the way saying, look, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not going to do. Because that's the worst part of that is, you know, the the old trope of the guy that comes and plops down on the couch and watches TV all night and orders his wife around. He's bringing nothing to the table and expecting everything. No, bring everything to the table. Put 100% into it. And then it's so much easier to, to call people to follow. And then for the wife, it's submission. That There's a reason this is hard. There's a reason it's unpopular. There's a reason this is the exact thing that all of these Facebook groups and Instagram posts and all these things are pushing against that like want to label this idea of submission as toxic and dangerous and abusive and violent. All the things that people label it as because it's not natural to you. It's what you don't want to do. We have a great way of justifying and putting on fancy expert terms around why what we want to do originally is the thing that's best for us. Usually the thing we want to do originally, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's not good for us. And so we've got to realize when God says this is your role in the relationship, live up to it. Realize Because the thing with both of these, the male excellence, the female submission, is you're looking at yourself and saying, am I doing my part? It's very easy to look at your spouse and be like, man, they're letting me down. I want more out of them. I'm just, they're not giving me anything. And I've had that attitude. I know mean, I've, I've 
perfectly transparently had my own marital struggles for sure. And it's always when I'm looking at her of going, man, I just wish I could get more out of her. Okay, but where am I falling short? Let's start there. And if I'm doing everything I can right and she's still not coming along and just won't submit, won't deal with it, okay, you deal with that in a different way. And I'm, I'm not saying Allison does that. I'm just saying if that's, if that's the process you go through, but start with yourself, husband and wife, and, and be the kind of person you would want to be married to. I mean, that's, why would you expect, you know, the that's perfect wife if you're not that? Why would you expect the uh, perfect husband if, if you're not bringing anything to the table? You know, like what, yeah, I, I your expectations, start with yourself. Raise your expectations of yourself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We can't keep turning a blind eye to this. It's, it's the same thing as the, the young people, the youth dropout rate. You know, it's, you can't shrug your shoulders and say, oh, what are you going to do about it, you know, and move on. No, we need to do something. And the same thing with this church, with, with this marriage crisis that we see in the church. There are reasons, there are contributing factors, a lot of them that we've talked about. And so we need to talk a lot more about, okay, what can be done about this? And so that's what we try to devote the last few minutes of this episode to. We want to hear from you guys as well. This is something we're obviously very passionate about. I think we're going to make our um, group think question that you feel free to respond to on social media. Um, why does the church have a marriage crisis? I guess would be part one of the question. And number two, what can be done about it? Pretty much the way that we structure this episode, we want to hear from you. Why does the church have a marriage crisis and what can be done about that? And so we're going to have that on our social media for you guys to comment on Facebook on. Obviously, if you are a Focus Plus subscriber, first of all, thank you. Second of all, be sure and leave your thoughts, leave your remarks, leave your any other questions you might have on the deep end or on the segment of when Jack, when Jack puts the episode up um, on the Patreon feed, be sure and leave all, any questions, comments, or remarks or whatever for us to address in the deep end segment that will be coming out on Friday. Um, guys, this is, again, this is a big deal. It's been a pretty heavy episode because it's a pretty heavy topic. It, it's something that's been weighing on us. And so we want to, we want to hear from you guys again. Let us know what you think. Why does the church have a marriage crisis and what can be done about it? So guys, any closing thoughts before we wrap up for this week? We're just calling us to more. That's all this is. We're just calling the church to more. We're calling ourselves, all three of us, our wives, and, and everybody that's listening. We're just calling us to be better and to we have an an opportunity through our marriages to shine a light to the world that's that's unlike anything. A godly marriage is a beacon of hope, of light, of Christianity. And we have an opportunity to do something amazing. Uh, marriage is, it, the, it was the pinnacle of God's creation, the last thing that he created in bringing man and woman together. Let's treat it as such. Let's treat it with the holiness, the sanctity, the the respect and reverence due. And um, man, I, I just, I, I pray that the church can figure this out. And we just want to be able to help in whatever way. Well said. Well said, Jack. Unless you've got anything else, I think we're going to wrap right there. Again, thank you all for listening. We always appreciate the support that we get uh, for everybody listening to it. Please let us know what you think again uh, as far as the group think question goes. But other than that, uh, we will appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.